Well, welcome to the Being a Dad on Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Benavides, and yes, we are back. And I know I keep saying this, could be more episodes. I get it. Um, it's been busy. I've been have a lot of stuff going on, and I'll be talking about that at the end of this episode. Um, but I just want to share with you guys that uh, I'm excited to be back doing some more recordings and episodes for you. So today we're going to a big topic. So um, recently I had a conversation with Ray Nelson around gun violence and talking about it with kids and dealing with trauma. But today we're going to be talking with Adam Cheeseman. Adam Cheeseman is a superintendent of uh, Dodgers County Schools in West Virginia. He is a awesome, awesome person, a, a father. Um, he is an uh, pastor. He, I mean, he just cares for people, right? And so one of the things that we talked about a lot, especially during the, the early stages of when all the gun violence was occurring, especially after um, what happened in um, Uvalde and everything else. And so we started talking about um, how do we, how do we address this issue, right? How do, how can parents support the educational system? How do we talk about gun violence with parents? How do we make them aware of the issue? And, and how do we start um, making sure that our kids are, are safe, right? Because now we have teachers who are being trained for active active shooter events. That's scary, right? I'm watching that happen. I'm watching some teacher friends of mine going through it. It's a big deal. So how do they teach our kids well? How do they continue to feel safe in their own job? And then how do they feel, again, supported by parents as, as they're keeping our children safe, right? Now, some of you might know me, and you know that we homeschool our kids, okay? But it doesn't mean that I don't care about the safety of kids in public schools. I want every kid to be safe, and we plan on putting our kids back into public school when they're older. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I want to know that, you know, how can I be that number one, how do I want to know that my kids are going to be safe? But number two, I want to know how can I support the staff that are taking care of my kids for that six, seven, eight hour period that they're in there, right? It's it's a it's a scary time. It's a hard time. It's stressful. We're just coming out of the COVID season, right? COVID is heavy still. Um, it's it's kind of not as big of a deal, but it's still there. But our teachers have been put through the ringer, right? They aren't getting paid enough. They're not being um, cared for enough. Mental health is heavy. They are. They just need to know that they have parents who support them. But some parents don't know how to do that. Some parents hear instantly that, well, okay, this is this is their job, so they should be able to do it. Well, yeah, it's their job. They signed up to teach our kids. They signed up to educate the future generation. They signed up to do that. They didn't sign up to become... Uh, active shooter specialists who can uh, protect, you know, close a door and lock it and make sure that they know how to kick a gun out of somebody's hand or whatever they have to do, right? I don't, I don't know what they're teaching them. They probably have now ninja skills that we don't know about and we're not going to know about unless they have to use them. So we have to be aware. What can we do to take care of the teachers who are who are taking care of our children? As parents, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility for our children but those who are taking care of our kids, that we're taking care of them because we need them. Let's just face it. We need them. Our, the grandparents, we need the grandparents. So how are we taking care of the grandparents? Well, we need babysitters. How are we taking care of the babysitters? Well, are we paying them well? Are we making sure that they're healthy? Are we checking in on their, on their mental health, their school stuff? Because a lot of our babysitters are in school still. Are we making sure that they're doing okay in their education? 
Um, are we a part of them not making it through their education because they're babysitting our kids and so they're struggling on keeping up with their schoolwork? We have a responsibility. I know that doesn't seem like we should, but we do. It's, it's, it's actually there. So how do we do this well? So today we're talking with Adam. Adam is a, like I said, he's a superintendent. He's a good friend of mine. We went to college together. Um, we're, we're, it's been great to keep connected with him. So I'm excited to have him on and listen to the things he has to share. So again, um, thanks for listening to the Being a Dad on Purpose podcast. I appreciate you for sticking around and keeping subscribed. Um, and if you're not subscribed, hit the subscribe button now. Um, but you know this is going to be a huge um, conversation. So join in, listen, send some comment comments. It's great if we get some feedback. Um, and again, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe now. But with that. Let's go into the conversation with Adam Cheeseman. All right. So Adam Cheeseman, um, thanks for joining us on uh, the Being a Dad on Purpose podcast. I'm glad you're here, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So, um, so Adam, go ahead and if you can, just go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do and, and all that stuff. And then we'll go into our conversation a little bit more. Yeah. Well, so my name is Adam Cheeseman and I'm the superintendent of Doddridge County Schools uh, in uh, north central West Virginia in my seventh year uh, in that uh, in that role. Um, I've also been uh, ministering and preaching the gospel uh, for about 17 uh, years now uh, as well. Uh, I've got a beautiful wife. We've been married uh, 15 years. Uh, her name is Lisa, and then three um, beautiful little girls uh, who um, who really keep me hopping. Uh, we have uh, a 13-year-old, 11-year-old, and a 10-year-old. Uh, all three girls uh, attend uh, Doddridge County Schools. Um, one's in elementary, two's in the middle school, uh, and so so yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit about me and. and some of the hats that I wear and things that we do. Awesome. Yeah. I think, um, you know, when I intro, when I intro the podcast, I talked a little bit about who you are and about our past, you know, knowing each other from college and, and how long it's been. So, so it's cool to come full circle and this and, and talking about this, but at the same time, it's a heavy topic to be talking about, right. Um, yeah. Gun violence is on the rise. You know, we see it, um, you know, regularly, it seems like on, on social media. It's, and I feel like, through social media, we find out a lot about more than what we have in the past. But, um, you know, my first experience was Columbine, right? I was a freshman in high school when uh, Columbine occurred. And um, and that was a big deal then. But it was one of those, like, this became a real situation that there are young people who are suffering and who are taking it out on their peers and, and their teachers because of what they've been going through. And so in your role as a superintendent, you know, you're seeing, I'm sure you're seeing all the research, you're having all the conversations. What do you see as like a trend or I guess the reasoning, I guess you can probably go with that as to why the gun violence is, is occurring the way it is? Yeah, um, the, and you're right. We do extensive uh, research and have extensive of, uh, of meetings and planning uh, around uh, school safety. Uh, we take that, I take that very, very serious. Um, you know, I believe that part of uh, our calling uh, and my calling in this role is to keep our babies safe. Uh, and that's how I say it. Um, you know, and so, 
since 2016, when I began this role, school safety has been at the at the top um, of my priority. Uh, and, and we had seen some school violence in 2016, but as you've mentioned, in the last several years, it's really come to the to the forefront. Um, and, you know, and I say this that that as we can be as proactive um, in terms of policies and in terms of facilities, you know, as 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 the next person. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we're charged to do all we can to help prevent, but, but we're not going to be able to stop evil all the time, right? And, and that's probably what worries me and keeps me up uh, the most. Um, but in terms of, uh, of some trends, I would say this, uh, we uh, as a society, um, have done a very, uh, in my opinion, not a great job on addressing uh, one's mental health. Uh, and uh, it's a very serious thing. Um, and we have uh, done a poor job in, in the fact uh, that we just categorize and we just label people uh, as, well, this person's crazy or this person, and, and we don't do anything now to extend uh, or to help or to support. Um, and, and I just tell you, Bobby, I just can't find anywhere in the gospels that that's where Jesus acted like that, right? <laughs> you know? uh, Jesus certainly was concerned uh, about people's physical well-being, but also their mental well-being, uh, uh, their spiritual health. Obviously, you know, he, 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 when he went around meeting needs and sharing the gospel and loving people and serving people, um, that was the role that he played. Uh, and, and we, as a society, as much as I hate to say it, I don't want to pick on the church too much, but we're kind of guilty too. Um, in that, in that when we see these types of needs and these types of concerns with someone's mental health, I don't know if it's because we don't understand it or because we're, we're afraid of it, or, or I don't, but, but we don't engage in it. Uh, and we don't try and get these people the helps and the supports that they need. And then even beyond that, you know, as a, as a society, and I guess I can speak as a country, it's very, very easy for folks who are struggling in this area to gain access to, to, to mass destruction weapons, uh, you know, and, and, and it's kind of mind boggling, you know, and I am a, a proponent, right, of the Second Amendment, I believe we all would, you know, but at the same time, Bob, it's easy for somebody to get access to uh, a military-style weapon um, uh, that that just from my uh, experience and from my personal view, I don't know that they that they need. Uh, and so, so I just think uh, the 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 biggest trend would be in the area I think of mental health and addressing that and and not shying away from it. Now, I will say this: I'm very proud of our school district. Um, we began in 2016 uh, what we term a holistic child department. Uh, now, from what I have gathered, and I've been doing this now, I'm in my seventh year, uh, and um, believe it or not, one of the more veteran superintendents, uh, the, the turnover is pretty quick, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, but I'm one of the more veteran super in, in the state. Uh, I think we're the only district that has this 
this um, entire program and this, and we staff it, right? Uh, we have four individuals. We have a mental health uh, coordinator with a mental health specialist. We have a school social worker, uh, and then we have a behavior interventionist. Uh, and the task of these four individuals, led by uh, Mr. Walkman, Jeremy Walkman, uh, he's our mental health coordinator, uh, is to ensure that we are meeting the needs of students in terms of the mental needs, the physical needs, social emotional needs. That if you're meeting all of these needs, then the intellectual, the test scores, if you will, right, will come. Uh, and that, that's not just our belief, that's, that's data. I mean, you can look at that, you can see that. If a, if a person is well-rounded, well-taken care of, uh, and their foundational needs are being met, and they're going to be able to think clearer. They're going to be able to, to learn. They're going to be able then to articulate. Um, and so we have about 1,100 students. Uh, and so these four individuals, um, they don't divvy them up per se, uh, but they are kind of stationed in different, uh, different schools. Uh, and if there is a need, uh, our teachers, our staff has been trained. We do extensive training on mental health. Uh, and I will tell you, that there have been several uh, staff members that when we started this six plus years ago, that had the mentality, oh, this is, this is crazy. Why are we doing this? You know, the kids, you know, now you go back and talk to them and they'll say, this is the greatest thing that we've ever done. And now they're, they're asking questions. Now, if a kid comes and, and there's a behavior manifestation, right? It's now not well, this kid's just crazy, or this kid's just bad, or this kid's got a bad home life. It's, I, I wonder what has happened that's triggered this, right? And that would take me to my next uh, trend then, the breakdown of the family, right? The breakdown of the family unit as a whole in our society has caused and has thrust some of our young people in uh, into some of these mental health concerns and into these some of the mental health, uh, you know, over 50%, over 50% of our population, of our student population is from a non-traditional home. Whether that be mom and stepdad, whether it be grandparents, we have a large amount of our kids who their grandparents are raising. And, and it's not the grandparents' fault, right? They're doing the best they can do, but they're, they're just they're older right it's only a, uh, as we get older our bodies aren't what they were at one point you know it's just so so they're doing the best they can do uh, but but it's causing our students to grow up in environments that just aren't healthy and then on the flip side right that takes a toll on our mental health and we've got to recognize it we've got to recognize it the more uh, violence that comes about i believe the more it's in, in another thing this it seems like every time it happens, everyone's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And we run to the fire per se, right? And, and we get there and we're like, oh, we got to do something, we got to do something. And then two weeks, three weeks go by and we all just fall back into our self-centered <laughs> lives and we forget about it until it happens again. And then it comes up. There's got to be something that changes. We have got to change. And I think that starts in the education community, but I would even take it a step further to say that I believe it's the role of the church. I believe it's the role of the Christian people. We need to stand up 
And we need to say, listen, in love, just like our Savior, we have got to do a better job of reaching out to some of these folks that are hurting and that are lost and that are in despair. Uh, and and a lot, like I said before, a lot of our kids, we're talking about students, are thrusted in these situations. They didn't choose to be there, Bob. It wasn't their choice, right? I mean, these, these kids uh, are just that, they're kids. Adult decisions have consequences on our kids. Uh, so we can't blame the kid. We can't blame the, the no, no, no. We got to look at the root cause and we got to do a better job of being the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah, that's, I mean, those are, those are good points. I think that, um, you know, the breakdown of the family is a big thing. We, I've, I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but, you know, statistically there's over 18.4 million children in this, in this nation that are being raised uh, without a father figure in their home. Yeah. Now, now, granted, I know that, yeah, it's a huge number. And granted, I know like, you know, yeah, the moms do a great job. Like I'm not taking away moms, but I'm saying like to have 18.4 million children without a father figure, that means like that's no active grandparent, no grandfather, no stepfather, no nothing. It's like, they're just kind of there. And so, and a lot of those children are are, are being raised with, mental illnesses, um, social, um, uh, I guess, distance, I'm going to say social distancing, um, what's the words, um, basically where they, they, like, they just, they, they're antisocial, that's the word, yeah, antisocial, right. yeah. like, they just, they don't want to really be involved with anything, they don't want to, their, their right. depression is high, their anxiety is high, yeah. so now, so again, they're being put into the school system with teachers who are trying to be equipped to take care of all these issues, right, but you're, the, the I say this in the, in the intro is that, you know, for you guys, you know, you're not, you're not, you didn't sign up to become mental health experts. Right. You guys didn't sign up to become a uh, bulletproof vests. You know, you didn't, you didn't sign up to become that, Right. but you have been, you've been, you've been thrust into that role. As we talk about like with kids being thrust into something, you guys have been thrust into something. And so for you, like, I mean, I, you know, I think I was going to ask you about like, how do you balance out being a dad and a superintendent? But I think I'm going to skip over that question because I think I'm going to go straight into this because if you have this, like if you have kids, you have 1,100 students in your in your school system. Now, granted, we're talking about West Virginia here, but I'm talking about nationwide. You know, we have all these teachers who are now under the stress and the burden of how do we protect these kids? You're underpaid. You aren't getting paid enough to do that. Um you're being yelled at by parents. You're being mistreated by some of these students. You're being disrespected by the government in, in many different ways. Um, and you're being looked at as just kind of like, well, this is your job. And if you didn't want to, and I love when people say, if you wanted to do something else, then you should have just done something else. If we wanted them to do something else, then we wouldn't have teachers, right? Like this, that's the stupidest thing that we could say. So in reality now, we have parents who have who have lost the, the value of what a teacher is and who a teacher is. So I want to take this opportunity to say thank you to you and thank you to all the teachers who are out there. If you're a teacher listening, thank you because you are in this mix and you're doing things that you were never signed up for, but you're now taking on the role of raising people's kids or supporting people's kids and, and challenging people's kids to do something in a time that is heavy of COVID. Um, you have the violence, you have government um, uh, stress you have political stress you have parents who are div dividing over families and communities that are dividing over who they're going to vote for and and these kids are watching this so yeah, now social, social issues yeah, right? yeah. Mean, 
wow. everything. Yeah. So now my question to you is how do parents support you? How can we be more proactive and active in supporting teachers and staff? Because your mental health is important too. Mm -hmm. We should be caring about your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health, your spiritual health. We shouldn't just look at you guys just being bodies that are there to be present for our kids for eight hours or whatever long, and then, uh, you know, then come back and repeat. We should be looking at everything about you and saying, how do we care about you? Because you are taking care of keeping our babies safe. I love that. You're keeping our babies safe. So how do we support you in this process? So you have two pastors that just don't know how to stop talking. So I'm going to stop talking here and let you go now. That's <laughs> oh, funny. Um, some things never change, right? This is like uh, like college, huh? That's all. Exactly. That's it. Um, uh, yeah. So so let me just start by saying I appreciate you saying thank you. And I, too, would thank all of the teachers and the educators. And, and you're right. The role of an educator has certainly changed. Um, but, but one thing that we have tried to do, and I'll turn to the, to the parent part, but one thing that we have tried to do is uh, emphasize to our staff that, that teaching, we believe, is more than just a profession. Uh, I believe you're called to be a teacher. Uh, and I'm in a blessed situation, Bob. I'm in a situation where, where my faith can be, can be I, I, can, I can speak freely, just to be honest with you, about my faith. Um, you know, and many of our staff members, right, proclaim to have a faith. Uh, and so, so they understand that term calling, right? They understand that. Uh, and, and so we try to say, much like Paul, he said he was all things to all people, right? He had to be, uh, we kind of try and, and take on that role a little bit. Uh, and, and it's hard. It's hard. We have done things with our mental health team, um, our holistic child department. That's why, again, it's what we call it. But the mental health coordinator has done some things for staff mental health as well, because we see it. Burnout is real. Uh, we have people leaving education and they're, and they're saying, I, I could go make money, more money somewhere else. Right. However, I've not seen a ton of our teachers do that because they've bought into the fact that they know they're called to do this. So it's my job then and the communities, right, and the parents to help equip them to let the, to help them do the best they possibly can do. Yes, we want to raise test scores. We want to raise achievement. Obviously, yes, that's what. But that's never been. That's never been. And my board's okay with me saying this. That's never been our number one goal. Our district has, we have, we have climbed, we were 53 out of 55 in academic achievement back in like 2010. This past year, we were third, third out of the 55 counties, right? But it's never been, it's never been our main goal. Our main goal is to take care of the kids. Our main goal is to provide for them. Our main goal is to love them. So how parents can help us do that uh, is really two ways. Or there's probably more than two ways, but two come to mind. The first one is, is to keep open communication. Right. And we have some mechanisms in place um, uh, that that allow for a parent to communicate directly with the uh, staff member that says, hey, you know, Johnny, he's he's not feeling great today. Right. Kind of giving us a little alert, kind of give us a heads up. Those are the parents then that are connected and that are communicated or, or that 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 have a vested interest. The students that parents and school say it like it is don't really care 
right? Those are the difficult ones. And so those are the ones that I would say, please, please, please love your child enough, right? <laughs> love your child enough to have at least just a little interest in what it is we're trying to do, right? We're happy to feed them, right? In fact, I, I'm a proponent and I, 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 not everybody agrees with this, but I'm a proponent for a what's called a balanced calendar, a year-round calendar, right? Now, my district doesn't do it. Many of my folks in the district would not agree with that. That's okay, though. We can have differences. I'm a proponent of it, right? Because you want to know why? I think that there is something to be said about retention, only being out two or three weeks and coming back for nine or whatever it might be. But you know what else I can do? I can make sure I'm laying eyes on all 1,100 plus kids more regularly. I'm not sending them home for three full months in a row without knowing if they're being fed. Now we do summer feeding programs, but that's not going to catch everybody without knowing that they're being taken care of or if they're being abused, right? Or whatever it might be. Uh, and so, so I would just say, number one, just communicate with us, right? Communicate with your child, then communicate with us. But they know that probably the biggest one, how they could help help our staff and help our teachers in terms of, of making life a little bit easier. Um, just, just, just adhere to the protocols and the safety policies that we're putting into place. See, every adult, every parent, every grandparent, they want their child to be safe at school. But when we start putting mechanisms in place that would ensure that, it then makes their life a little bit more difficult uh, and kind of puts them out. For example, we no longer allow the parent to bring their kid clear into our school, right? We stop them. We have our officer out front. We have the principal out front. We stop the parent. The kid goes into school. We don't allow the parent access into the school. At the end of the day, we used to have parents come in, they'd come into the cafeteria, they'd sit down, they'd have the ability to go in to, uh, I mean, uh, the, the parent or the, the child would come and then meet the parent. They wanted to cause us an issue, could have just walked her down the hallway, right? So now what we do is we walk them down, down to the bus loop and, and they meet their child, you know? And so we caught a little bit of, a little bit of backlash there. Right, uh, because it's not as convenient now for the parent or the guardian. And so, what I would say then is for and and that and that probably caused more mental stress on our staff members than anything, because now they know. Oh gosh, we're putting we're putting things in place to keep kids safe, to keep your kids safe. And now you're blowing up Facebook about it and you're calling the school about it and you're mad about it. You're coming to board meeting about it. Right. And it's like, whoa, what? We got to be on the same team. We got to be on the same page. We're not doing this to make your life more difficult. We're doing this to make sure we're protecting your kids, our kids. They're all of our kids. Uh, and so those are the two that come to mind. Uh, just the communication, open communication, uh, being invested. Uh, and then the second would be when we put these policies and procedures in place, there is a reason we, they're well thought out. It's not like they're just, right, you know, um, halfway done here. There's a reason for it, and it's to protect the kids. Yeah, I think um, one of the things you said that was pretty interesting because it's like when we 
I think something well, I love when I see people talk about, oh, it takes a village, right? And they always talk about their friends or they talk about their their neighbors or grandparents, whatever. It takes a village. But we very rarely do I ever see them pointing out that the teachers are a part of that village, right? Yeah. Um, like when it, when we say it takes a village, like the teachers are a part of that village. And so oh. so so if the teachers are needing us to to say, hey, look, like if, for instance, if our friend had a rule at their home, don't just walk in, please knock. We'd follow that rule, right? Why? Because we want to protect their home. Like this is their safety. So if a teacher says, hey, we're going to go ahead and hold you at the door so we can take your kids in. Yes, it might be a little inconvenient, but I mean, it's in inconvenient to knock on the door and wait for them to come and keep <laughs> knocking until they come. But you wait, right? Because you don't want to just barge into somebody's home. Same thing as a, as a school system. Like, you're, like you, Sometimes you're going to have to sit there. You're going to have to press a button wait for somebody to answer the buzzer and say, can I come in? And then they ask you, you have to answer all the questions to be able to come in. Okay. You know what? Yeah. It's an inconvenience, but should the, but should we look at it as an inconvenience that destroys us or should we say, you know what, this is an inconvenience, but it's an inconvenience for the safety of my children. So let's take it, let's do it, you know? And, and so, so yeah, parents like, you know, recognize that teachers systems, they're trying to do their best. And I, and I said this too, I'm, I'm a homeschool parent. So it's like this, I have no agenda in this. Except right. like, I, I mean, like my kids will probably be going to public school when they get older. Um, Cause I can't teach past middle school math. Um, no, but I mean, I could, I could, I could probably read, but I don't know about math. I'm, I'm struggling already with some of these third grade word problems, man. This is a pain in the butt, but, but, like, <laughs> but like, but the reality of it is though, is that we, you know, we need to be supporting you guys. Like, and and I, my sister in law is a teacher. I have some great friends who are teachers. You know, you're a great friend who's a, a superintendent. I don't know. Do you still consider yourself a teacher? I guess right. You're still a teacher. I mean, you're a superintendent, but yeah, yeah, yeah educator. Yep. Sure. Yeah. So there you go. So I mean, it's like you have a lot of great people. I mean, some of my fondest memories are with my teachers. Mm -hmm. So we need to be doing what we can to support you guys, making sure that things are safe for you and for our kids. And if anything that we can be doing even helps just a little bit, then we need to do it. And so, yeah, communication, solid. And, and, and keeping and keeping your your safety things in, in our mind and making sure that they're important, solid. So, so yeah, so that's that's good. The, the, we do have a group, as we were talking here, um, at our elementary school uh, that it's kind of a PTO, kind of a parent-teacher organization um, that recently has, I think, picked up on this concept that we're talking about uh, and they came around uh, was it well, I think it was two weeks ago they come around with a cart uh, I think there was some pop on it and some chips and some candies and they came around and they gave it to the teachers mm -hmm. right and so which was a cool thing uh, right usually we come in and we do those things for the kids and and we do that uh, you know um, what we have to obey the child nutrition rules, of course, you know, but uh, the, I digress. Uh, but this was for, this was for the, the staff. Uh, and I thought that was pretty cool. So, so we do have a group, we have a mission statement in Doddridge County. We did this, the first thing in 2016, when we started was our mission statement was like, literally a paragraph and a half long. And if you ask somebody, what's the mission statement of Doddridge County Schools? They have no idea. Right. I mean, you couldn't recite it. You couldn't repeat it. It was just really lengthy. And so we simplified it. We said, what we want to do is we want to make a difference in the lives of our kids. 
and we want to do it together. And we wanted a sense of urgency. I want to do it now. We want to continue. So we came up with this. Now is the time united to make a difference. And so everything we do from our public relations to if I'm out and about and I'm posting or I'm speaking at, a, at an event, I, I reference united to make a difference. And we hashtag it. You know, we're in a world of social media. Hashtag united to make a difference. Our parents now have started hashtagging that, right? They'll share it. They'll hashtag not make a difference. They'll, and so, so culture is a big, big deal as well. And establishing that culture, uh, and I'm proud to say we've done that. We've done that. We're not perfect. Uh, we still, and, and, and I said this up front, we will never agree on every little thing. And when I give a speech about it, when I talk about it, I say, listen, I'm not asking you to agree with every decision that we make. We have information. I have to make decisions based on the data that I have that, you, that you'll never have. And you're not permitted, right, as the, as the public. Uh, but just know I've got your, best, your kids' best interests at heart. And that's, that's the thing. If we, can, if we disagree on some specific decisions, that's fine. But at the end of the day, if we agree, we all want what's best for kids, we're on the same team. We're on the same team. Uh, and so we've kind of moved forward in that capacity. But you saying that it, it reminded me that we did have that group come in uh, and try to do something to uplift the uh, the staff, which we uh, obviously appreciated. That's cool. So any parent listening that's not in our area, um, start bringing soda and stuff to your teachers. They'll, they'll like that. Um, no. So so I I'm, I'm going to say this real quick too, and this is um, to kind of take the seriousness off of this. But you said that they brought a cart full of pop so uh this is where we talk about culture all right man it's it's soda um so uh just to go ahead and just you can say pop all you want all right but but hey dude, I, I mean dude, I, we, we've had this fight before i know we have <laughs> it's all these memories just come <laughs> flooding back and rushing <laughs> i will i will listen all these years later, right? I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to go ahead and, and say, I'm going to yield to you, right? And I want to say, you know what? I'm going to let you have this, okay? You know, because we're, we're united to make a difference here, Adam. That's <laughs> all right. Well, hey, man, you know what? Like, this has been a great conversation. Yes, I am, um, I think, you know, we're obviously, we're never going to solve like how to, because we're not in the position to solve how to stop gun violence but preventing and, and trying to keep kids safe is where we should be. And so being on the same team, communicating, supporting, uh, honoring the rules and, and, and things that have been put in place and just recognizing that we're on the same team. We are in the same village and we're trying to take, keep our babies safe. I love that phrase. Like we are keeping our babies safe and it's our babies. It doesn't matter yeah. if they're my kids or not, they're our babies. I want to make sure that our, our next generation is taken care of and, and, all teachers are in the same position. They want that too. And so they just need parents to be on board and to be supporting and encouraging and doing what we can to, to make sure that everything is in a safe space. So um, again, Adam, I appreciate your time. I appreciate what you're doing, man. I love watching from a distance, seeing what you're doing and the difference that you are making because you are, you are making a difference as a superintendent and um, I'm honored and to call you a friend. And so um, thank you for, for doing what you're doing, man. Well, likewise, appreciate you having me and always enjoy talking to you. All right, man. Well, hey, you have a good rest of your day and uh, we'll we'll talk again soon, I'm sure. All right, man. All right.
So that was my interview with Adam Cheeseman, again, uh, superintendent for Doddridge County Schools here in West Virginia. Great, great guy. And um, I know that, you know, again, whether you wherever you fall spiritually, if you're a Christian, listen. If you're not a Christian, listen to that, um, because there's still things that we could be doing as parents to make sure that we're supporting our teachers in, in, in that process. So thank you, Adam, for uh, being a part of that conversation. Um, so I did share that I was going to share a little bit more about what's going on with me. So um, again, as you, if you've listened to previous episodes, you know that uh, in October of last year, I released my first children's book. I've been working through that um, process of finding places to do signings and and share the book and all that stuff. And the link for that book is in my bio um, and the show notes, I guess, as you can say. Um, be great for you to purchase that. Um, if you'd like to sign purchase a signed copy, uh, you can go to the website that's on there as well, and you can visit my uh, comedy website. That's the other thing. I've been doing stand-up comedy. So, uh, again, some of you have been who know me or have been following me for a while. I do stand-up comedy. I've been doing that a lot lately, um, trying to do more. Uh, next year, especially, I'll be doing a lot more, um, finding more mics to be on and, and setting up more shows in different places, hopefully. Um, my... You know, I have a comedy special on YouTube. Uh, I have that link in the show notes as well. Um, you know, really trying to build up a lot of different avenues. Um, and because, again, as a pastor leading a church, uh, you know, our church is a small church. We have been planted in 2017, started gaining momentum, 2020 hit with COVID and boom, couldn't do anything. So uh, for one and a half years, almost, we weren't able to really do much. And so we are gaining momentum again and we're trying to figure things out so financially our church is not the best place but hey we're, we're we're working it and that's why i'm doing a lot more outside stuff because our church doesn't pay me um a lot so which is okay i don't want to be a i'm not here to be a mega church pastor so um you know that's just how that works but um so all that to say uh that's just you know my my stuff has been here and and there because you know i've had sick kids i have sick kids we have four kids when one kid gets sick, all of them do. And then um, it goes through all of us. So that's been a process. I have, um, gosh, what else is going on? My my dad just passed away uh, last week. Um, you're listening to this on November 4th. Uh, so yeah, my dad passed away um, right, uh, right before the weekend, uh, you know, last weekend, last week of October. Um, and so I've been working through that. Uh, the, you listen to previous episodes, you know, my dad and I haven't had the best relationship um, but I was able to call him uh, prior to his death, where he was able to at least hear me say I love him, and to hear him hear me say that I haven't stopped loving him, and so that's it's it's been a process. So you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, but again, I thank you for sticking around, subscribing, um, being a part of this process with me. Um, there will be more episodes coming. I am going to keep them coming. This is not going to stop because I want to encourage dads everywhere. Anything that I can do to make sure that dads are are um, feeling good about what they're doing, and, uh, parents, but dads especially, feeling good about what they're doing, I want to do that. If I can give you different topics to talk about, um, I want to do that. And so, again, just ways to be good parents, healthy parents, and supportive parents. That's what we're here for. So with that, I'm going to sign out of here. But more episodes are coming. I'm going to be recording a lot more and hopefully uh, releasing them in the coming weeks as well and uh, get back to it. So with that, again, as we say every, every time, 
We are not here to be the best dads in the world. It is not possible. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to mess up. We are just here to be the best dads we can be for our kids right now. So that's what being a dad on purpose is all about. So that's what this podcast is about. Join us on Facebook. That link is in the show notes. If you like what you're hearing, if you enjoyed this episode, comment, subscribe, share it, because we want more people listening. All right? There you go. With that, talk to you later. Bye.